millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good afternoon, everyone. Good morning, possibly good evening, good whatever, and welcome back to the Roger Report podcast, where we are recording the first Sunday night pod since the sacking of manager Jack Ross. At the time of recording this, Ross has been let go by Sunderland and the owners are currently looking for his managerial replacement. My name is Alex and I am joined today by three other fellow Roker reporters in the studio. On my right, we have Neil. How are you doing, Neil? I am good, thanks. Yeah, good to be here. Yeah. How are you doing on uh, football-wise? How are you getting on? How did you um, uh, spend your, your Saturday without Sunderland? I've been watching more rugby than football, to be honest. Right. Uh, yeah, it's a, a struggle on international weekend, so um, I can't wait for the league league action to take, uh, come back. Yeah. Do you need some kind of sport just, just to tide you over? Any sport, really. Yeah, uh, I'll watch anything. Um, so yeah, but uh, looking forward to getting back into league action and hopefully with a new manager in place. Yep. And I'm also joined by Sam. How are you doing, Sam? I'm all right, mate. How are you? Um, I'm decent. You know, not not too bad. Uh, plodding on. It's mm. getting by. How did you spend your Saturday without Sunderland? Um, I, I started off enjoying it in the morning when I didn't have to think about going to the match or watching the match. But as the day goes on, you need your intake of football, don't you? So I, I went on to FIFA, which was it was all right, but wasn't yeah. the same. Wasn't the same. Yeah, I feel like everything that we do on a Saturday at around three o'clock time is just a pale imitation of watching glorious League One football. Yeah, whether it's watching a different sport or playing an e-sport, you know. You've got to something. be doing something, haven't you? Got to be doing something. And I'm also joined finally by Ant. How are you doing, Ant? I'm all right, man. How are you? Yeah, you know, still as good as I was. Still as good as I was 10 seconds ago. I was a stupid question. <laughs> Mate, you, you, you're not the first person to say that, and you won't be the last. Don't worry about it's it. It's just being polite, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. So, anyway, what, how did, since I've asked you the two lads the same question, Ant, yeah. I will pose it to you as well. How did you spend your Saturday? I wasn't too badly hung up on it, to be honest. I actually watched the League One match today uh, on Sky, Coventry versus Tranmere. Um, it was dreadful. So yeah, yeah I think uh, Tranmere won one 0 Yeah, not entirely dissimilar to every other game of League One football Pretty we've much, watched. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, it, yeah. I mean, I, I want to say it is what it is, but I keep using that to justify too many things that happen in League One with Sunderland. So I'm not going to. For what it's worth, I spent yesterday watching Sunderland Arsenal, and that was pretty good. They got beat six two by. Um, hammered, didn't they? Oh yeah, they got beat six two <laughs> off Whitley Bay. But you know, like the, 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 to be fair, like the actual game itself. I mean. I know Sunderland RCA would be by birthright my team, but you know you're effectively a neutral, so it's 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 kind of good just like watching mm-hmm. quite a open-ended game of football because it was like it was end to end. It's just that the team that wasn't called Sunderland was scoring when it was their end. But anyway, yeah. So before we get into 
obviously the elephant in the room, which is the loss of Ross, the sacking of Jack Ross. We will have a brief chat on Sunderland's most recent game, which has hitherto not been covered on a on a Roker Report podcast, on a Roker Report podcast rather. So that's the, that would be the Grimsby game in which Sunderland won three two. So, what do we make of that game, Sam? We'll go to you first. Um, I thought it was good. Not great to be conceding two goals like, but with the sacking of Ross happening five hours before or something, which was an odd time, and you just needed to win the game really. And it was a strong team that got played. And the last podcast I was on, we were discussing what more mm-hmm. and whether we should cut ties, albeit how sad it is. And I thought he did well actually for his first game, however long. He, he looked a threat, which he always does, and he, he does offer that something different. So it was nice to see him get a run about. He was probably man of the match for me. And it was also nice to see. Uh, Greg getting the winner, which I think Hume needs great credit for the cross. Mm-hmm. So it was a great assist. And he's he's in in recent weeks, in recent games he's played, I think Hume's silenced some of the critics at the start of the season, which is always nice to see from a young lad coming through. So now overall you just needed the win after what happened with Ross. So successful uh, night really. Absolutely. And I think as you say there, it's very good to have Will Grigg and Duncan Watmore be on the score sheet. Just having Watmore get ministers just having Watmore get minutes rather is, yeah, is good exactly. enough, really. I think I think a lot of us probably weren't expecting him to be featuring uh, this soon back in the starting eleven in, in any team really. But I thought this one this question to you, Ant, I mean obviously, you know, if there's two players who really needed goals for different reasons, it's Grigg and Watmore. Yeah. Uh, is it significant enough that they've scored in the Grimsby game in the Leasing.com trophy or do they really need those games in a more serious fixture for it to matter? I think for Grigg, it was a massive, hopefully a massive one for him because uh, you know, he's been like a rabbit in headlights, hasn't he, when the ball's been cut, he's been missing a few chances and stuff. And um, I thought he took it well. A lot of people said, oh, he never meant it, never meant it, headed it, headed it the wrong way and all that. But I, like, um, Alex just said, it was a lovely cross. And yeah, hopefully that's that's him up and running. Um, what more? It's just great to see him back for me. Um, I'm not with all this. Oh, he just runs about. You know, he's like a bull chasing a matador and all that stuff. You know what? He's got pace. He's got what none of our players have got. Mm-hmm. Bit of pace. So and he'll cause trouble for uh, League One defences. I'm over the moon for him, to be honest. Is it quite a relief seeing what more still have pace given the nature of his quite serious leg injuries? Oh, yeah. I mean, in fair play to him, he's had, what, two really bad knee injuries and I think it was his ankle, wasn't it? A terrible tackle on him. And for someone his age, to you would get down, wouldn't you? You're a young lad and stuff. And from the, like, you know, he, he always keeps his head down. You never hear him out of the, out of, like, football. You never hear him on the back page or anything like that. So, fair play to him. Mm-hmm. What did you make of it, Neil? Just... Yeah, the, the, obviously the, the the timing of the second was going to have an influence on the game, and I think the, the first half was was pretty much preseason friendly kind of stuff. Um, and we're kind of whatever Fowler said at half time seemed to work because it, it kind of changed, and obviously Grimsey going ahead perhaps changed the mindset. I think the echo the points in terms of what more it was great to see him, and, and you can just see for even for me, I know he has a second touch before his first sometimes, but. Generally, his touch was a cut above anyone else on the on the field. Really, you could see his extra quality in there. So it'd be good to see if he can get up through five, six games and and try and have an impact. Um, I think the most frustrating thing for me is that we were playing a, a League Two side with, as Anthony says, a, a, a really strong side, and we still saw Ledbetter and Dobson kind of both sitting as kind of defensive midfielders. They, they were like two kids when you go on holiday and you meet someone, and you never leave that 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 kid alone and. Uh, <laughs> Um, I must say when you're a kid obviously but um, but yeah they, it's kind of they, they just never they were never more than 10 yards apart there was no kind of urgency in either of them getting forwards um, 
and that was kind of frustrating. And it, as I guess Grimms retired, we came into the game and kind of our, our extra kind of quality showed. But um, but yeah, the, the difficult circumstances overall. Um, yeah, I know the game's not obviously the most significant game in the world. I don't think any Sunderland fans are going to rush back to Wembley for the Leasing.com trophy in a hurry. But that being said, obviously, every game that you play should be a game in which you consolidate your identity. And obviously, hitherto, we've not really seen one at all under Ross. And indeed, we won't under Fowler because he's, he's, he's merely there as the interim. Mm. But is it, is it annoying to, to really see that we're still kind of playing or holding midfielder at all, given given our ambitions at this standard of football? You know, holding midfielders imply a more defensive style of play generally should we even have one on the pitch when we're playing Grimsby at home uh, I think given the quality and perhaps the, the how often our defensive play together I think at least yes one hold midfielder or at least a defensive midfielder uh, but what I saw on Tuesday it was more kind of the, both Jobson and Ledbetter particularly when we didn't have the ball obviously um, but also when we did have the ball literally just sitting back and going through the motions where mm. um Certainly, Dobson's capable of, of getting forward and making those kind of kind of runs. And Ledbetter's obviously quality from outside the box. He was never outside the box once to kind of to test their keeper. Um, instead, he had some kind of really random kind of shots from 40, 45 yards where he was trying to lob the keeper and so on. So, so yeah, I, I mean, that's obviously coming. I think Ross's kind of tactics and kind of formation was still evident um, and expectantly so, I guess. But um, I would like to see a change in that, certainly, going forward. Absolutely. I suppose that's a very good time as well to get on to what is the elephant in the room, which has just been sacked and had its ivory taken from it. So, Jack Ross has obviously gotten the sack. You know, he's here no longer. We'll go for the very basic, most fundamental question. We'll start with you, Ant. Mm-hmm. What was that the right decision, yes or no? I think... In hind, uh, yeah, it was, yeah. Um, I know that's a lot of people on Twitter and everything around about ninety eight percent are saying it's the right decision. I'm in agreement with us. I believe he's had eighteen months to try and get us out of this division. Um, it just wasn't going to be happening this season. More than we have not played well at all. I don't think this season. Um, and I came on this pod against Portsmouth and I did defend him. I thought he needed his um, opportunity, but. We're just not looking as if we're going to do anything at all, are we? We're, we're scraping 1-0 wins, 2-1 wins or whatever. We're not 1-0 because we don't get a clean sheet, but we're scraping past teams that we should be beating, I would say, relatively comfortably. Um, and the two games which I think sealed him is Bolton and Lincoln. And I'm sorry, like um, this might come foul of a guest who was on here last week, one of the um, journalists, I think it was Hunter. Um, the fans, I think, are entitled to be a little bit disappointed to draw against Bolton, who'd been getting hammered all season, and to get beat off Lincoln, who were on a five-game run, run without scoring a goal, I believe. So, yeah, right decision. But it'll be our fault, won't it? It'll be the fans' fault again. So. <laughs> well, I mean, when we look at the games themselves, you look at games like Rochdale, you look at games like MK Dons, mm. and, I mean, let, let's say, I mean, obviously you aren't going to batter every single team in the league, and we've no. said that before, but you would expect, wouldn't you, at least yeah. one of those games to be a 3-0 win rather than like the, the, the edgy two ones yeah. where you know we're probably marginally the better team overall. Can you point a game out where you've actually come here think we've played well today mm-hmm. this season? I can't. I really can't. Well, for the not not this season, no. Uh, I, I probably have to go back as far as maybe Scunthorpe last season, this time last year. Mm. When we won 3-0, I think, yeah, we totally dominated that game. Or Rochdale 4-1. But those just seem like a million years ago now. Yeah. Like... 
I think the main issue, well, I think b- before we get into that, obviously we'll we'll pose the exact same question to, to Sam and then to Neil respectively. So, Sam, the sacking of Ross, yes or no? Was it the right decision? Yeah, it was it was the right decision. I think I think in the end it was justified really. I mean, like you said, I've I've been to three away games this season, Rochdale, Bolton and Lincoln. And even in the Rochdale game, you just you're watching it and you you you're just thinking what's the plan and it's like at the start of the season he, he tried to bring his own plan to the team with the uh, three or five at the back, mm-hmm. which you were thinking that's his identity, it's what worked for him in the past, and you're thinking this is his stamp on the team. And then he abandoned him after the two games, I think it was, which at the time was probably the right thing to do. But I don't, I don't know. He just you look at uh, the Lincoln game; it was it was one of the worst games I've seen for a long time. It, we could still be playing now, and I don't think we'd score in that game. And we had three strikers on the pitch, but just it looked like he'd lost it in the end. I mean, I think all nine played three different positions that game, and. Once you lose the fans at this club, it's it's very hard, as we've seen in the past, to get them back. You never want anyone to lose the job, but I think it was the right decision in the end and we need a a new style to come in and get people excited or at the end just ultimately get the results against teams that we should be comfortably beaten. Absolutely. I think, now I don't know about you, but obviously what you said there about his sort of 3-5-2 formation that was, I think, his attempt, as you said there, at a stamp on the team, at 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 an attempt of establishing an identity. Yeah. But as it transpired, that that didn't work. And since then, did we see anything resembling a, a new style of play, or was it just a sort of attempt at winging it to I, win games? Yeah, I think I think I think I don't think he had the right players for what he wanted to do. Which you can look at this. Did he tell the recruitment team? Do you want was that down to the recruitment? Who's it down to? You, you never really got another full story. But like you say, it does just look like winging it. I mean, against Lincoln. McGeady came on and I doubt he's even 100% fit and you just I watched players just give him the ball and then just sort of stand there thinking right do something which to have a player like McGeady at this level is a privilege really but he's never gonna he's not magic is he and Mm -hmm. Yeah, like McGeady's like an unfit McGeady's not like a remedy to when you're playing badly, is it? Because he doesn't track back, he doesn't, you know, he just gets the ball, does a bit of magic and then hopefully we score from it and. It's like it's a bit basic, isn't it? It's like, oh, we'll we'll do. Oh, Aiden will come on. He'll score. It's like mm, that's what it felt like against like, Lincoln. Yeah, and he's and he's a fantastic player. Don't get us wrong, yeah. but he's not Lionel Messi. He's not Ronaldo, is it? He? He's just in McGee. He gave the ball away for the second goal as well, and he yeah. never looked the same since. I know he had a bit of bother with one of their fans, which mm. I honestly think one with, standard. Um, why Hume was struggling early on in the season was because of McGee not getting back and helping him out. Yeah. He's a young lad. You know what I mean? He's like just learning the game and stuff like that. And for not getting any help off an experienced player is for mm-hmm. me a little bit like kind of lazy from from McGeady. But I agree completely. I think in a season that you're expecting to be Denver Hume's first full season as like a senior professional mm-hmm. footballer, you can't expect in his first game for him to be the full back and the winger rolled no, into no, one. No, no. I know not that's what the, I know that's what they call the wing back. But as we saw in Jack Ross's five three two. Um, amalgamation of a football style there wasn't really such thing as an effective wing back there there wasn't much of anything that really worked so I think you know I think Hume was dealt a pretty bad hand from the get-go given players on the pitch and and where it what what, what his tactical role was meant to be but yeah I don't know it was just it, it was just a mess in the end when you when you look at it in hindsight but anyway uh, we'll go to you for the last one Neil so Jack Ross sacking was it, was it? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it was always going to come. I think the the, the timing more than anything was kind of what, what was up for debate. And I think obviously at National Weekend, you, you, you see these kind of things happen. Um, 
I, I wrote an article for the uh, for the website during the week and looked at kind of six or seven kind of key moments. And I think that the first one was the sale of Josh Madger last season. And we kind of ummed and ahed to say kind of, should we try and keep him? Should we try and sell him and keep him on loan? Or, and essentially we cashed in on him. And I think that was the, we've never replaced him. I think I did, I'm not really great for stats, but I think Wyke, McGeady, McNulty, Watmore, they Combined, they haven't scored as many goals as what Madger scored in at the beginning of that season. So, and I think if you take on McGeady, but I think if you include all the other ones, then combined, you haven't scored as many. Yeah, and, and as as we alluded to there, in terms of um, kind of McGeady and did, did I say McGeady? I meant McNulty. That's the term, one. Yeah, um, yeah, but. Um, you, you put that emphasis on McGeady, which kind of it's too much of an emphasis, and, and that's kind of proved in terms of how lopsided the team's become. And I think I think with Ross, the the main issue with me, there's these individual kind of performances, Peterborough away particularly, although albeit against a good side, um, but Bolton away, I was there as well, um, and finally Lincoln as well. I, I think the real issue is kind of. There's nothing changed from last season, and in a in a world where we can quantify everything, the, the clear point here is that kind of the team hasn't changed in terms of playing style. The results aren't changing, and if you kind of look at those results one by one, then essentially this season we've done well against the kind of bottom bottom half sides. But whenever we come up with against a kind of top half side, that's where we kind of drop points and. I think the next three or four games, we we against kind of th- three or four sides in the in the top half, and had Ross been still in place, and that didn't go well, then I think we could have been a lot lower than than what we are now. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, they, they, I wrote about those six or seven kind of watershed moments, but I think the the the, the lack of replacement for Josh Madger so far, um, which is frustrating because we've got the resources and went out and spent money on on Greg, and but there's other kind of forwards who are doing really well who we were linked with. Uh, Moisa and uh, Ivan Tony at Peterborough knocking them in all over exactly the kind of player that we need at the minute and we just haven't replaced them so I think once Madger went that was kind of a, a big issue in terms of Ross's future and that how everything That transfer window is about to replace him hasn't he just yeah. did hasn't yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean I think the closest we've had so far is Mark McNulty looking like a replacement but mm. the issue with McNulty is that he's been quite injury prone mm. and he's also yeah. only on loan so I think if you're looking both long-term and short-term, it doesn't really feel like it's the answer. Is there an element as well, Neil, going back to you, that Ross was just throughout his entirety of his 18 months at Sunderland just too stubborn? Um, I think at the beginning he was. I think I think the fact that he ditched his 3-5-2 or 5-3-2, whatever you want to call it, at the beginning of the season, he ditched that fairly quickly. I think if he'd started last season or that, he would have stuck with that for perhaps another four, five, six games. Um whether it's stubbornness, I think the main problem with me and the reason why people are shouting for Keane now, we'll talk on about replacement shortly, but the kind, the type of character of Keane and uh, McCarthy, even Mick McCarthy, for instance, the, the the proper characters and they bring that and they bring that to the North East and that's what the North East is about. When, when I've worked elsewhere in the country and abroad and so on, everyone talks about kind of character of the North East. And I think kind of Ross's big kind of downfall is that He's very professional and kind of his leaving statement through the LMA was superb. And but I just don't think the fans bought into him as a person. Um, and 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 that kind of put him on the back foot straight away. Um, he did a lot of good things and he, he's kind of overall, I think he did he did a good job, but I think he just kind of was lacking in the last kind of maybe four or five months for me. Mm-hmm. Was he maybe just I know it's I know it's quite a it, it seems like quite a straw man kind of term, but he was a very diplomatic person. He was very he was very safe, to put it in its simplest terms. 
but maybe in League One that isn't what you need. I mean, if you look at you know one of the most successful managers currently, I know I've banged the drum for this man as manager. I'm not about to do that now, but it, it works as a as a good example. But Gareth Ainsworth is you know for for, for what for want of a of a nice term is quite a nasty bloke. That's probably the nicest I can put it for him as a manager, for him and his style of play. Now he seems to be currently kicking his way to the top of League One. You know his Wickham team are doing very very well. Whereas I think everything that Jack Ross has done at Sunderland, he's done with his hands in his pockets, quite literally, with a cardigan on. You know, and, and again, you know, that these sound like straw man points. These sound like quite like ad 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 hominem arguments. But ultimately, how successful can you be if you're very polite and diplomatic? His style of play would always allow opposition teams to to get into more dangerous areas when we let off them. But we're quite a polite team. Is that perhaps, let's go to, I'll go to you, Sam, is that perhaps another one of his failings that maybe sometimes his style of football wasn't as aggressive as it needed to be? I think so, yeah. It started, um, I started seeing this point towards the end of last season. You could see it on the pitch. I mean, I, I hear cheating and play acting or whatever, but every team we play, it seems, waste time, go down for fouls, mm-hmm. take throw-ins, 10 yards up the pitch, drives me dad insane. But we never seem to do that. We never seem to surround the ref. I'm not saying I want us to cheat or whatever, but if it's what gets you out of this division, mm-hmm. I'd happily do it. And I think it just, it's sort of like, it, you look at him on the, the touchline and I thought it was great start when we first got him. Oh, he's calm, he's collected and he's probably a lovely bloke, but he sort of never, he never adapted to like mm-hmm. the situation or whatever game we were playing. You look at Wembley and stuff and you want someone screaming and shouting and that that could be stubbornness or it could just be, that's, that's the type of man he is. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? He just want to, doesn't want to change yeah. for anyone. You could never like picture him, could you, at half time when the players were playing bad, like properly laying into them Not to really like get the backs up. He just he always had the vibe of someone who talked in the exact same tone he spoke in press conferences all yeah. the time. Mm. Yeah, and again, like I, I, the last thing I want to do is start to have like little digs here and there, like for anything more than just like a petty sort of like throwaway joke, but. Ultimately, those little things, those little character traits do kind of add up and make a persona. And ultimately, that persona was not someone, as we said there, that the Sutherland fans generally identify with. But anyway, I feel like, like I say there, we've, we've ripped into them enough, to put it bluntly. I mean, I mean, it's, sadly, it's been very much justified because the football's not been acceptable, quite frankly. But, you know, there were good times with Ross. And, you know, I think if we're going to go from being miseries to happy clappers in one fell swoop, can we recall the, the good times under Jack Ross? I'll start with you. In, we'll start in reverse order. We'll start with you, Neil. Happiest memory watching Jack Ross's Sunderland? Um, hmm. I, th- I, th- I think going to Wembley um, it was my little boy's first time at Wembley. I, th- I think he, let's not forget, if we'd won those two games at Wembley, he'd be, he'd be almost kind of hero status now. Um, so that's the kind of fine lines of, 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 of football, really. Um, I, th- that, I think the, the kind of... It, Outstanding moments. Um, I enjoyed Rochdale last season. The honeyman winner for me kind of stands out off, off the top of my head. I, th- I think the key thing with Ross, and we talk about other managers perhaps in a in f- more favourable manager, uh, manner, but I think that calmness and assurance was needed at the time. And kind of 18 months is a long time in football, and I think it's maybe just kind of t- now time to move past that. We've kind of stabilised the club on and off the field, and I think it's just time for someone else. Um but yeah, probably was Rochdale away again. I had my little boy with us as well, which was nice. And um, yeah, maybe that's part of the problem. There's not that many kind of standout moments, perhaps, in terms of um, when you think of Ross. Whereas if you 
saw a manager running down the touchline after a last-minute winner and so on, then that maybe kind of sticks in your head a little bit more and the, yeah. the kind of character come out. And I know the one last comment before we move on, but when Chris Coleman was here, for all his record was really poor, I listened to his press conferences. I wanted to kind of be there when they started and I was interested in what he had to say because he was an engaging character. And I think with Ross, he just wasn't that kind of engaging character that's kind of that, that, that we need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sam, what about you? Completely agree, really. You, you've got to see the two Wembley trips. To get there in the first place, albeit one them by playoffs, it tends to be an achievement. Um, one game that stands out particularly might be a bit of a controversial one because it was a nil-nil, but we were talking before about um, we don't, well, we didn't really show much fight on the pitch or anything, but although Portsmouth away in the uh, second leg, I thought it was a great, great performance from everyone, just particularly Ledbetter after... Uh, just found out that his mum had died and I thought that was a great, great performance from Ross. It looked like the players were really together and they really wanted it and then that was to get a Wembley which is another weekend out for the fans really. Sadly, they didn't end the way we wanted them to but like Neil said, he was a penalty shootout and 45 minutes away from two trophies and a promotion yeah. so and he'll always be thinking that and it must be agonising. It must from, be hard. Like, yeah. From his perspective, you must just think like if, if the wind was just blowing the right way or if, exactly. if, if maybe... You look at the fine margins of both the games. Let's say that shot led a bit hard in like the 18th minute at Wembley. Let's say that goes in, right? And it's 2 0, and then suddenly Charlton's heads are properly down, and they're suddenly mortified of yeah. being battered at Wembley in, in 20 minutes, and we'll go on to win. And then let's say in, in the same season, you know, you, you had just a little bit more of an aggressive 45 minutes against Portsmouth in the second half. Mm. Maybe you made one more goal count and you killed them off as well. Exactly. All of a sudden, right, you, you're in, we're, we're talking about Jack Ross's championship team now and it could just be, in who knows, like it's like a butterfly effect, who knows where we could be now. It could be doing absolutely unreal now in, in a more, maybe in a, in a division of perhaps maybe some more sophisticated football, you might say. I know that's yeah. quite a strange term to use, but... Yeah, it, it, it's like he must be looking back and just wondering what could have been must be quite a, a, a tough pill to swallow but you know I suppose it is what it is well you look at where Charlton are they're doing they're doing really well considering yeah. what yeah. after they beat us at Wembley they didn't even know if Boyer was going to sign a contract I don't think they've invested anything they lost some of the best players it just needs to go for you really that could easily be us right now with like you said more sophisticated football I think someone like McGeoch in the championship would be a great player just it's all about getting out of this division, which mm-hmm. unfortunately for Ross, he, he didn't do. But again, he was agonisingly close, really. Yeah. Anyway, and yeah, best memory under Ross. Yeah, I'll I'll point a different one out because I did enjoy Wembley and I did enjoy um, the Portsmouth away game. Um, but I'm going to say Gillingham away last season when we yep. won 4-1. That would have been um, mine. Just for going down there, considering an early goal um, <laughs> and then just completely blowing the team apart in about 15 minutes, it was it was wonderful. And I can just remember, I remember saying to one of my mates, Matty, I remember just saying, I'm sick of being good now. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just, it was just like, it was such a, like a nice kind of like, because we opened up against Charlton, didn't we? And we scored like in the last minute and we saw Ross running down the time, the sidelines were like, great. But um, I think just, yeah, just that when you're kind of like thinking, ah, oh, it's turned a little bit now. <laughs> that was it, wasn't it? That yeah. was going to be mine as well. And to be fair, like that, that little sort of like period, like the sort of like the, 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 the earliest sort of did the honeymoon period of sort of new Sunderland without Ross, mm-hmm. without Martin Bain, when obviously, yeah, we're in League One and we don't want to be there. No. But we were having games where, you know, for 20 and 30 minutes, we were just blowing teams to bits and it was really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Rochdale 4-1, Jollygum 4-1, Scunthorpe 3-0. They were great games. You know, we might, we might not have been outstanding for the entirety of the game, but for those periods where we were clinical, it was just wonderful to see that we weren't the team capitulating because for so long, I don't think we realised at the time just how much we were suffering from just mediocre football. Mm. To suddenly be the winning team was almost quite surreal, almost like it wasn't really meant to be happening. But no, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful for Jack Ross for the like the, this, the, some of the games he did give us, but ultimately we have to look at his tenure as a failure, which yeah. is, it's never nice to say. I, I don't ever want a manager to, to fail at Sunderland for obvious reasons, but... You know, I'm I'm thankful for for the games that were enjoyable, but sadly, you know, it, it wasn't enough to to justify him having a job here. So, I think that's probably a good place to to move on to the next topic. So, obviously, Ross is gone, but there are a multitude of different people that have been selected by the bookies to be the alleged candidates most likely to get the job. But regardless of who the front runners are, at Betway or wherever. Who do we think, or who do we want, rather? Who do we want to get the job, Ant? Oh, start with me. Um, I've changed my mind every day since he's been sacked. So I've went Stendhal, I've went Ainsworth, I've went uh, Nigel Pearson, um, and I know, with with Kevin Phillips, he's number two. That, that would be me little left-wing one. Um, I'm going to say Stendhal, just for, I think, Watching Barnsley last season coming to the Stadium of Light and going down there, even though it was Windsor, they're the best team I saw against us. We 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 beat and beat them, but like he had a team who played football, attacking football. He got like Keith Keith up front, who like defenders was bouncing off him and mm-hmm. stuff like that. They scored some really nice goals from what I saw. He had a very very good home record. Um, I thought well. And I do think at Barnes, he's been very unfairly treated. They all have sold all the players from under him and stuff. I think he's probably going to get my vote. I'm not sure if he'll get it, but there we are. No, I think it would seem to be like the logically the best choice, given the fact that he's out of a job. Yeah. And he played what was what was being assured by Barnsley fans was very, very good football for League One, very great attack and football. And as you say there, when we played them, and yeah, we won 4-2. And on, on paper, that looks like a good win for us, mm. having put four goals past them, but... On another day, that could have been five nil of them. Could have yeah. been three nil of them. Could have been two two. It could have been any number of scores because it was just yeah. such like a bizarre, like well, not bizarre, but it's just like a end to end kind of game. And that Kiefer Moore looked like an absolute world beater. But ultimately, he's just a League One striker. So if you can get your strikers playing like that, then mm-hmm. hopefully you can you can give Charlie White or Greg a kick up the backside. As much as well, that uh, don't condone down and shots of tequila. But when you saw that on Twitter yeah. with Stendhal doing that, you're like, go, yeah. God, that. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? You want like it's a complete difference to what Jack Ross would have done. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like um, Jack Ross definitely would not have done that. He yeah. wouldn't have been in the bar, would he? No, <laughs> I mean, but... no and obviously you, you don't you don't want a manager who's just like you know like down the colliery tavern every five seconds. It's not really quite the not quite the the, the ethos you want to promote as your club, but you, you do want a manager with just a bit more character, and obviously that. Having character doesn't having character doesn't equate necessarily to just like neck and shots or whatever, mm-hmm. but like obviously it is just good to see the manager get himself out there when it's a good time to get himself out there. And I don't think Ross would ever have done that, you know. No. I mean, obviously I don't I don't know him personally, but I just don't think he would have ever done that. Anyway, it's enough back to Kayla. Hunter you, Sam. So uh who would you have to replace Ross? Similar what Ant said really, I've been every time I go on Twitter and read up about one of the managers, I change my mind. I think if I was living in Dreamland, it would be Roy Keane. It just, I'd love someone that, even before a ball's kicked, just gets everyone excited. I know we'll probably need to be more realistic and look at people who've succeeded in this division, like your Stendhal's, Ian's words. I mean, Parkinson 
I was looking his his odds on now looking and I can understand why I mean, he's got three promotions from the EFL on his CV which mm-hmm. if you're Stuart Donald and you think I need to get out this division now he's he's probably he's probably going to be his first choice isn't he but I don't know I'd love I'd love someone exciting and I know people probably disagree and I totally understand why but I'd be so excited with Kevin Phillips and I know it's a big risk and I'm not being naive but he would just he would get everyone excited before even before balls kicked and then a few wins could just kick you on but we do just need to get out this division ultimately and I think that's going to be why who was appointed is appointed purely if they can get us out of this division like your Parkinson's so yeah. I don't I understand why Ainsworth's in the picture I just I don't he wouldn't be up there for me it would either be Stendhal probably I think Stendhal would be my number one but I could see why we went with Parkinson if that's what's going to happen I could understand that appointment totally my only gripe with Parkinson though is the same reason why I now have gripes with Coleman when I think about Coleman as our manager is that while obviously he's someone who's appeared before the cameras before and spoke about his position as the tragic hero and that's not to patronise what he did at Bolton but obviously he spent a lot of time you know making it very apparent that he was sort of put he, he was he was fighting sort of against the current for the sake of fighting against it and the Bolton fans had a lot of admiration for him for that similar to how we did with Coleman but what I want from a manager, someone with recent success. Sadly, the issue with Parkinson is is that he is most recently known as being the the the, the, the tragic hero, the the gallant loser of Bolton, who you know were in a were, were in a massive situation, and similar to Coleman, he was having a hard time getting out of it. But ultimately, he was just part of a losing team for a long time, and I just think that 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 is the you know the opposite of momentum. We want someone like Stendhal, someone who was recently fired a team out of League One in emphatic style. What we don't want is someone, in my opinion, regardless of credentials, who has just had to just sit with, you know, the collapse of a football club and just experience loss after loss. It's just not the kind of person we want to bring to establish to establish a culture and ethos around. You know, a manager is the centrepiece of your bridge when you're building a club's identity and style and culture. If if you bring in someone who's you know who's used to you know like excessive degrading and humiliating losses it's just it doesn't sit well it doesn't sit right with me not after Coleman I think I just think we should learn that lesson yeah no I, I know what you mean and I think we're obviously going to get behind whatever manager comes in on because it would be pointless not to but I think it would be best to get someone in that is going to get people pumped straight away rather than our oh, given time see what he does because that's all we've had with Ross even for a year people saying given time this isn't his team I just don't want to fall down the same trap of seeing or if he wins, right, happy and then one defeat and everyone's in meltdown again. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So that's why I think I think Pearson with Kevin Phillips as his number two would be would be great because people would see a manager like Pearson or who I do think is a bit strange, but he gets results and then you'd see Kevin Phillips and it would bring the nostalgia back and it would stop people just mm-hmm. jumping down the throat to a one one draw ultimately. Yeah. I think my only issue with Pearson is just because I don't like him. No, I don't like him yeah. as a person. Like I'm it. not a fan of him. Like no, what? no. But the thing is, if, if he, the, the thing is right, though, we'll see, we can say it all we want now how we don't like him. But if he mm. comes in and he starts winning games, oh, I'd love I think, him, I think yeah. we're suddenly going to start liking him, aren't we? Yeah. You know, if, if, suddenly, if suddenly we're in the automatics come December, then I think we are very much going to like Nigel, Nigel Pearson. Irrespective of you know the fact that he's calling journalists ostriches and pinning down players by the neck if, he, if they're injured, when, when they're injured on the floor. I mean, you know, he's he's been very out of order. Like, there's certainly no doubt about that. But 
you know, ultimately, within reason, a man within reason, a manager can justify a checkered past by winning games. You know, again, within reason. But anyhow, on to you, Neil, for the last one. So we've had as the front runner, you would say, Pearson, and with Phillips as number two was your your main one, Sam. Yeah, and, and, and you're currently you're currently sat on Stendhal. Today I'm Stendhal, but this is going out tomorrow, isn't it? So tomorrow I'll be somebody else. Right, so don't so, quote yeah. us on that. <laughs> at, 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 at the time of recording this, and is Stendhal, but tomorrow you can be very well assured there's going to be Steve yeah. McLaren. So anyway, It'll be someone from Calexico in California or something like that. You know uh, what I mean? It right, will change. Why not? You, you know, got to be someone. Yeah. Anyway, Neil. Yeah, um, this might be a bit controversial, but. Um, I've got another point where I don't really care who's next. I, I, I think if you look at the if you look at the candidates that have been mentioned, the front runners, if you like, and Stendhal's and Ainsworths and so on, I think we're at the point as a football club with relatively kind of tight financial controls, it seems still, and for for the foreseeable future, I think there's only a certain caliber of manager that we can attract. So whether it's Cook, whether it's Ainsworth, whether it's Parkinson. They've all got the pros and cons, and whether it's someone more nostalgic such as Keane or Phillips, again they've all got the pros and cons. And I think, I think whoever comes in, we just need to get on with it and kind of, yes, they'll have good things about them. Yes, they'll have bad things about them. Uh, whether it's their win loss ratio or whatever, but I just think we kind of we need to choose one as quickly as possible. I, I think the one kind of key criteria that I would look for is kind of their contacts, i.e. their ability to kind of attract new players. Because mm-hmm. um, if we were to go up, this side isn't it's struggling in League One to get out of League One. So that that shift between League One and Championship is going to be huge. So, And I think we saw that on deadline day. We tried to f- sign six, seven left-backs towards deadline day and ended up with um, with the one that we did, uh, Leboc. and. Leboc. I think if Keane had been here, he would have rang someone and we would have had a kind of decent left-back there knocking on the door. And I think that's an important point because of where we are geographically, because we can't chuck money at players anymore. It it needs someone with, with either the character or the kind of conviction to say, right, when we do come to sign players, I can get the, the players that will better us. And I think, again... We'll not talk too much about Ross, but I think that's maybe where he's struggled. He's come down from Scotland. He hasn't got the network down here. He's got the recruitment team, inverted commas, in place. And I don't, again, I don't think, I, th- I think that needs to be looked at from a kind of football operations point of view. Yeah. If I was to choose someone, my kind of heart would say Keane, because he'd do exactly that. He'd get the players in that we need and he'd kind of improve the players that we've got. But obviously his temperament's kind of up for question and kind of his longer term future. Um, I would go with Stendhal if if not, but I don't think it's mm-hmm. going to be likely again because he's got that kind of character. He, he he's kind of secret of success at Barnsley initially was to kind of pick players out of kind of leagues the same way that kind of uh, Norwich did it. Um, they picked three or four signings out of the kind of not even the Bundesliga. It was kind of the equivalent of the Championship in, it was in the, Germany. The Bundesliga's Vi. Um, yeah. Um, so I think we need, and I think Stendhal kind of brings, perhaps brings that. There's talk of kind of increasing the European scouting network and so on. But I think if you've got the manager who's got that network, then you don't really have to scout. They pick the right person with the contacts and the knowledge, and and that looks after itself. But um, I've got a feeling it might be Paul Kuko. Yeah. I think his time up is is kind of times up as at Wigan reading between the lines so I don't think they'll stand in the way and I think it'll something you would relish as well yeah I, mean, I think there's probably a lot of good reasons well like what I said there's a lot of good reasons I think there's one really good reason where we could assume that Paul Cook would be a good travel <coughs> manager you could get Will Grigg firing maybe yeah. I think that's the number one 
um, should be on the on the cards for whoever mm-hmm. comes in yeah. is get the best out of Will Grigg. What could be the difference? Whoever it is. What was the crack there though with with when Grigg left Wigan? He was on the bench for the last 10, 15 games, wasn't mm-hmm. he? When Cook was in charge, and I, I don't know if it was just kind of the, the, to push up the the asking fee, but Grigg wasn't playing. And Cook was it was kidology, I think. So it'd be interesting if if he was to come in. But yeah, any anyone who does come in needs to get our strikers scoring goals, whether yeah. that's through our pattern of play, mm-hmm. um, approach of the game, whatever. Yeah. I'm going to go briefly back to what you just said there, Neil, about scouting, like about scouting networks, because it's quite an interesting topic actually. What what the what we essentially have, I think. Well, I think that's what our manager. What what we essentially need from manager, as far as scouting networks go, is either a manager whose sort of prestige in the game allows him to have quite a well-connected network with a good reputation, you know, much like Roy Keane being the, the absolute prime example of that. Or you, ha- you have someone like, say, like Stendhal who can, who can tap into the German market and perhaps find you some some players there, like many other very successful championship managers have done. You know, if you look at look at Wagner or, or you know, managers of the like who've gone into, say, the Bundesliga's Vaya and they've, you know, they've pulled out some really good players who've played in the championship as if it was a lower standard that they can compete in better. I don't think it's unreasonable to assume that you could do the same for League One with perhaps some of the players who, you know, aren't maybe at at quite the standard of those pushing for the Premier League. But equally, did we not think that that was possibly a thing that Ross had going for him as well? I mean, he got us McLaughlin, McGeoch and Ozturk from that division. Mm. And it wasn't particularly terrible business by any stretch of the thing if you look at those three players, but... Uh, n- none of them have made the difference to get us out of League One, have they? They haven't. Um, they certainly, I mean, McGeoch looks a very good player in a, in a certain style of football. Um, I think the problem with him is that, is that he's 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 played too deep and he can do that job, but he can also kind of his forward uh, his range of forward passing is good as well. I think I think with the, I think what coming in if I was a new manager, obviously I'm not going to be ever. But what I would like to see is kind of a director of football in place to kind of so as manager you go to your director of football and say these are my needs, go go and find and make sure the player fits within the culture of the football club and you and the recruitment team go and find those. I don't I don't really care who it is, the manager may give them a list of players, but essentially and then the football the director of football works with the recruitment team and and brings that kind of player in and. We talk about kind of philosophies and cultures and how we want identities and so on. And that's how Norwich have created their team and their identity now. They've got a really good director of football in place, um, experience at what he does. And with Farker and the recruitment team, they've brought kind of players in from all over the world. They've got lucky to an, to an aspect with kind of with Pukie hitting form in the, in the similar kind of way Phillips did for us. Um, but I think that kind of is to take the pressure off the manager, to take the kind of, so the manager can focus on hit, on the players that we've got and improve them, get the director of football and the recruitment team to focus on on kind of going and wherever that is, whether it's Scotland, Germany, wherever, to, to kind of find that, that those kind of players that we need that kind of fit into the culture of the club, mm-hmm. as opposed to your Didier and Dongs and Dillabodgies who, who couldn't have been any further away from the culture of the club. Yeah, um, who were extremely randomly shoehorned in by Moyes, of course. But, yeah, you know, yeah. thankfully that is a lifetime ago, so we, we yeah. don't have to sort of we, we, for everyone's uh, sanity, we don't have to go into that. Mm. We, we can see around that, and we'll all be okay. We're going we'll to talk about current events, which are thankfully a bit more peachy than that was. But do you think we've been limited, Neil, um, sort of so far by our perhaps limited scouting, our, our, our limited sort of like scout roster? Do you think that's been a, quite a profound issue with recruitment? 
I think so. Yeah, I, I don't think it's the, the the culture isn't one of go out and find players that we can nurture and and make better and make the team better in the meantime. And then perhaps I don't care if we became a selling club if as long as we are a better club and we are a better team. Um, if that's the way we need to do it, that's the way we need to do it. And that's the vast majority of football clubs these days. They kind of realise that either academies or or kind of going and finding the right players and selling them on at a great profit. I don't care if that's the way we are, but it's better than having no identity at all in terms of what we're trying to do now. Um, if we did have that identity, then Madger would have stayed regardless of... We would kind of made an example of that and given kind of within means the necessary um, wages that he, that he wanted at the time. Um, but yeah, I, I, th- I think maybe we hamstrung by the position off the field, the kind of lack of kind of dominant finances, if you like. But having said that, I think Norwich... Uh, spent about 750 grand in the summer to go from Championship to Premier League and for all the puppies go down they kind of they, 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 they're not kind of also runs at this moment in time so yeah yeah I think uh, as far as like off the field issues go I think hamstrung's definitely one word you know that there have obviously I mean there are always going to be limitations I don't like using the, the phrase yeah but we're a League One club to justify a lack of success because our objective is to not be a League One club, so to say that is is sort of counterproductive in every sense of the word at its most fundamental level. But uh, yeah, you know, the, 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 obviously off the field, there have been limitations that I think have, have led to us not doing what we want to do and things like the director of football model, for example, or just perhaps someone with a more just like innately superior network themselves as a manager could just could just see us make the difference that we need. But I think that's probably a good time to segue into the next section and obviously as far as um, uh, off-the-field scenarios go, as, as far as the, the higher staff, the, the backroom staff, the, the people behind the scenes go, it has been quite a, quite a controversial uh, few few days, moments for, for the Sunderland fans as of recent on social media, etc. But we'll try and steer clear of that for the time being. Take over rumours. What do we feel about that at the moment? How, how do we just feel in general, Sam? It's it's the unknown, isn't it? It's, that's what... Uh... That's what I think's getting everyone, so to speak. It, it, the lack of communication. I, I don't know how far the communication could go. You don't. I mean, you don't want people to come out and get in bother for what they say. But it's it's the fact that we thought we were so close, and I think we probably were so close. And then suddenly, weeks go by, and you know further on, and then word gets changed to investment, and then sort of strange announcement um, that there's going to be an announcement. So the announcement was. Slightly pointless, but it was more about we can't really invest. There's there's no point investing now because we can't spend anything in League One. Sort of was what I saw, but I think it's more the unknown and the fact that everyone thought it was done really didn't, they? and then we're we're no further on and probably further back weeks and months later. Really, I think that's what's getting on everyone's nerves. Really, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, for me, it kind of. <clears throat> It kind of thinks because sometimes Donald's coming out and saying, right, he's, he's been on this podcast before and said, right, we have got like a budget brilliant for League One. We don't need to spend any money to get out of League One. And then he's he seems to be spending every day looking for investment. So it come out with a clear point. Either we need investment in or we can cope this season. It's it, it's it's obvious that we can't cope this season. We haven't signed anyone for any money bar George Dobson. And you look at the the signings that we have made, they're not as good as the lads who left. So we're not better off on the pitch. So if I just wish it'd be a bit more clear with what he says on, on Twitter and stuff like that. I mean, he's, he's come off Twitter today, hasn't he? Because apparently he's, we're abusing him again. Um, 
which whoever it is, is it's out of order. But maybe put a statement out and instead of us not knowing because like we're 11 games into the football season now mm-hmm. and it's all been surrounded by take over this, take over that. Now, surely that's going to affect performances on the pitch. It must have affected Jack Ross's performance thinking I might be out of a job tomorrow if the Americans come in. You know what I mean? And it's just like, it, it's just like really like un, the unclear thing about it. And we just really want a bit of clarity on it. And I just wish they'd just come out with just ear statements, whether it's on, whether it's off. There we go. Mm-hmm. And then we can move on yeah. instead of not knowing all the time. Do you think the ambiguity of the situation is a big cause for, let's say, people getting annoyed on social media? Do you think people's, people sort of like, outbursts are popping up because they just want some answers. Yeah, I do. And into it, I mean, the you know, personal abuse is wrong. You know, like, oh, you know, course. given the, given like, like, you know, saying he's got to have like bodyguard and stuff, giving them personal abuse is wrong. But I think as a fan base, we do have a kind of right to want to be better than where we are. Um, I, I think um, we're what, ninth now as of, as of today. I know we've got a couple of games in hand, but, I'm not saying we should be 20 points clear at this time, but I expect us to be in the top two. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a team on paper that is capable of being in the top two. Last season, we had probably the best team in League One and came fifth, was it, in in total. So, yeah, we're not like kind of... So I think we have got a bit of right to feel aggrieved of the club underperforming. I don't know. I, I, I totally was done where you're coming from, and I think the issue that we've had in recent times, this season more so than any other, because I think the sort of the 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 general sort of tirade on social media, and I, and I don't really like dedicating any large parts of a podcast to talking about Twitter or Facebook, mm. because I want to talk about football. In the, the yeah. day, I don't want to talk about social media and people having arguments on the internet, because I just think it's a bit sad. Yeah. But regardless, I think what you tend to have is is that people are having let's say tirades on on social media on the internet because what we have had for the largest. Well, for the duration of the season, is a team that is, uh, I would say, I would say not considerably, but noticeably and slightly underperformed and underachieved. Yeah. I think that was the case last season. We had a team last season that had the the capability, I think, on paper to finish in the top two. I think as a bare minimum could be finishing third and winning the playoffs, and we finished fifth. Yeah. So to that to that end, we've underachieved. Now, a, a dramatic underachievement would be, say, finishing outside the playoffs and not even being in the running for promotion. That would have been a horrendous failure. Mm. Ultimately, it's a failure. But yeah, failure is a failure. Doesn't matter. Yeah, a, you know a, a mean? failure is a failure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think while Ross then had a second swing of the bat with with you know the next season coming along, the fans initially expected uh, an improvement on slightly disappointing as a bare minimum. They wanted a team that was at least satisfactory by this the standards of the team. And we didn't really have that. We, you know, we had a team that was drawing 1-1 and winning 2-1. We wanted a little bit more. And I think I was, I mean, I myself, I was kind of waiting for it to improve. But then once it became apparent that it wasn't going to improve, that was the point yeah. where we were all, I think, like, yeah, he's kind of got to go. He's not going to do it. But it's... Um, yeah, but can you remember at the start of the season and, um, you know, the fans got a little bit of... Um, a- well, a little bit of criticism of this off of uh, Jim Hunter was on here last week that we've got over like, ambitions that are over our um, mm-hmm. right. Who pointed out at the just after playoffs that we are going to have a team that's going to get 100 points this season? Was that the fans? No, that was Stuart Donald. Mm-hmm. Right. So how come now it's the fan we've got? We have got expectations of what getting out of League One. Now I'm sorry, like, but I'm a Sunderland supporter. I've, you know, we've seen great times all together, and we've seen some absolutely horrendous times. But surely our kind of stature as a football club is better at being 
also runs at League One. You know, I think we've almost we've, we've seen two separate sides here because we hear some people saying, yeah, but you're a League One club. You shouldn't expect to be pushing to get out of League One, which is a completely kind of productive statement. But on the flip side, we've obviously had comments such as, you know, this is a 100-point season. And if, 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 the, if the, the, the tagline is that it's a 100-point season, then you expect absolute dominance from day one. So if that's what the fans have been told is their expectation, that's what they've been given as the ambition, then obviously a 1-1 draw on day one to Oxford doesn't yeah. meet that. Yeah, we've got every right to be disappointed yeah. with being ninth in League One at the mm-hmm. minute. We yeah. have got every right, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest, I thought the 100 points was unrealistic, and I still do. Yeah, you should have said it then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's it. You know, like, I think, I think he from, knew it was a mistake when he yeah. said it, really. Well, it, it, it kind of has to be, because you can't set that as a baseline requirement. It's far too unrealistic, even for the, be- even for, like, the best teams that have been in, fo- in the Football League in their respective divisions. 100 points is a massively yeah. tall order. If the, if the expectation was to finish at least second, I would be happy with that because that's automatic. I don't want to be anywhere near yeah. Wembley again in my life. No, I want to be second or first. And I think I speak for all Sunderland fans when I say that's probably what we're all thinking. Now, let's say day one, I remember thinking, OK, 1-1 against Oxford, right? Not the best result, but I wasn't on his back from the get-go. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't immediately sort of like sort of like leading the chorus of booze at half time. Yeah. If you want to do that, you're more than entitled to. You pay money for your season ticket, go ahead and do it. But I think you deserved a bit more time. But then obviously as it gets on and then you do just realise, hang on, you know, the naysayers from, from the start of the season, you know, in hindsight they were correct because they said he they called him out that he couldn't improve and they were right. So I think it's sort of just here we are really, but obviously it's the issue is that it's been a very venomous time this season as far as sort of dialogue between fans and owners being concerned. Yeah, I think that's with, with football in general. I think this season it's it's got to an extent where it's a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, you know, like we'll, we'll go back on like last week when Tom Fannigan was out signing autographs and there's a fan, well, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll see a fan in the lowest point of thought I'm giving mm-hmm. him abuse. That, that lad hasn't played football in mm-hmm. that game. So why is he getting abused? But it's... It's as much where it's a fine line between criticism and abuse, isn't it? So mm-hmm. it's like we have to just kind of tread very carefully with it. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we have criticism. We are sort of saying in a in a quite a quite a respectful sense of the word that what you did was a mistake, and mm-hmm. we don't agree with it. And then, as you say, there's calling Tom Flanagan and every name under the sun when mm-hmm. one he's not played, and two, you know, he's he's there signing autographs. You know, I mean, if nothing else, all right, he's not been the best footballer for us, but he's taken time out of his day to to see to the fans. You have to respect that of nothing else. There's nothing to disrespect about Tom Flanagan on on the, on the face of it. Certainly not. But it's just, I mean, like I, like I say, I think if we just took social media out of it completely, we wouldn't have any of these issues because there just wouldn't be that 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 platform for comments like that to be made. And there's no other way of really saying that. Anyway, we've got some questions from the listeners, but before we do, on a more positive note, we did have a competition we have that we participated in and I can now happily announce the winner so earlier this week we announced another Roker Report competition teaming up with our friends at Homeless Ghost Prince to give away another one of their SCFC legend prints and we're happy to announce that the winner goes by the Twitter handle of JackChristopher018 well actually that's from Instagram that's an Instagram handle ignore me well it's from Instagram regardless so Instagram handle is JackChristopher018 so congratulations Jack uh, please DM the Roker Report podcast with your contact details and you will get your print so Congratulations. Anyway, on to the listeners' questions. Let's start with one from Grant McHugh, which says, if this season's remit is promotion, do you think if the new, if the new manager fails to get us promoted at the first attempt that he will get sacked, starting the managerial merry-go-round again? If so, 
would we be offering someone a short-term contract with a view to extension only if we get promoted? Let's start with you, Neil. What do you make of that? Yeah, it's an interesting comment, to be honest. It, it, I think rolling contracts are more more um, um, the, the more common these days. The kind of three, four-year contracts don't really exist at this, certainly at this level anymore. Um, I think if you're looking for one of them kind of up-and-coming managers such as Ainsworth and Stendhal, Ainsworth's not going to walk away from, from Wickham on a kind of end-of-season till the end-of-season contract or uh, a rolling contract, if you like. Um it's a good point to make. I, I, I think what we've talked about, Ross, is, is results, i.e. end results, but also performances and identity and culture as well. And if, heaven, heaven forbids, we, we, we don't go up this season, but we've got a better identity and we've got a better kind of formula for the future, then I don't necessarily see why you would have to sack another manager at that point. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a fine line. It's a really good question, actually, in terms of, of kind of whether, how long this next manager gets and and kind of what is deemed a success. Mm-hmm. And I think I think the key thing is not to quantify what success is in terms of. Um, I remember nineteen ninety eight. That maybe too young for some, some of the listeners, but Niall Quinn came out um, straight after and said, "Right, we'll get promoted next season." He didn't say we'll get hundred points or hundred and five points as we ended up getting. He said we'll get promoted, and I, th- I, th- I think what happened um, with that hundred point prediction is that kind of Jack Ross has always had that kind of um, that kind of sign on his on his head, basically that target on his head that if if we kind of dip below that expectation, then he was always going to be in trouble. So, so yeah, I, th- I think. Whoever the new manager is, he'll probably just get a two-year contract, I would have thought, similar to kind of what Ross got. Um, but I don't necessarily think we'd need to sack that manager um, if we were kind of to, were to fail to, to go up. But it, it depends on kind of what else mm-hmm. is going on, really. Is the risk now, though, Neil, of fan restlessness, similar to the one that we saw at the start of this season when obviously we were expecting to see improvement on last season but didn't immediately, hence why we had booze on 45 minutes, if, for example, the new manager comes in and he doesn't get off to a good start, is he in bother from day one? Um, possibly. Again, I think it depends on kind of how who that manager is and how he's kind of how he goes about his job in the first four weeks. I, I, I think he needs some time. So if if there's kind of a if there's a few one-one draws or the, a defeat in or two in the first four or five games, I think we need to accept that um, and kind of. Try and buy into the overall philosophy of who, whoever that person is. Um, the bigger the character, the easier it would be, I would suggest, because the character kind of shines through the kind of the, the, the issues, uh, the, the bad, the worse at times, if you like. So, the likes of Phillips is going to get a lot longer than the likes of Phil pa- Parkinson. Parkinson, for instance, as Twitter polls suggest. And I'm not seeing Twitter polls as kind of gospel, but. Yeah, if, if Phillips lost his first three or four games, we'd still think he's a bit of a legend. And whereas if Parkinson comes in, he'll, he'll be he'll be needing bodyguards himself. I would suggest, and never mind Stuart Donald. So, so yeah, really good question. But um, yeah, let's see how it goes. Mm-hmm. I think with someone like Phillips or Kane, someone who's already endeared themselves to the fans, I think maybe out of if nothing else, if out of fear of them not sort of um, validating the legacy we would want to rally around them because we'd just want them to succeed. You know, I mean, it, it's it's the same kind of blind faith that the Mags attributed to Rafa. I mean, hopefully I'd like us to see maybe a bit more a bit more of the, 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 the bigger picture than them, which isn't really saying much, of course, because, you know, we, we all know what the Mags are like. But, you know, if we if we had a manager who we would want to rally around because something about them just made them sort of like a necessary sort of figure as a Sunderland icon, 
like Phillips or Keane, then we would want to get around them. And I think then that would do something to quell the restlessness that's going to be there. I mean, speaking of that, you know, like obviously it's it's been an issue, but I'll, I'll go to you here, Sam. This is quite, this is a, just something that I've just been on my mind now. Um, we've had obviously fan restlessness, understandably, because we still haven't improved. And that couldn't continue if we didn't improve under a new manager that perhaps isn't as prominent a figure as others. Now, we had that, or we would have had that probably if we'd lost to Charlton the first day of last season. We had that in the Championship because we were losing in the Premier League, and we had that in the Premier League because it was, we were finding ourselves in another relegation battle. There is a consistent level of disappointment that we are used to as Sunderland fans. Because of that, is there a consistent level of restlessness that is always going to be there no matter what we are currently doing? Yeah, you've got a point, really. I think whoever takes the job, I think they'll be advised. They need to have thick skin. I mean, unless it's the two, like you say, Kane or Phillips, because mm-hmm. uh, people, well, we want every manager to do well, but you sort of feel like you know them, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you're rooting for them almost, but no, I, I know what you're saying, and whoever comes in should be aware that if they come in and don't win for the first five games or something, it's going to it's gonna be like they've been here five years and they haven't done anything, because that's, mm-hmm. under Ross, you always felt like, even when we won five games in a row, we beat the likes of Burnley, you felt like he was one, one, one draw away from getting the sack or mm-hmm. being put under pressure. So because he was torn the line of just like slightly dis- being slightly yeah. disappointing, and it only took one extra loss to make him a disappointment. And yeah, get the sack. You, you felt like it was coming with Ross really because it was always looming around him like that. But I think as fans, I don't like people seeing or. Um, like people have said in the past, we, we're, we're arrogant and we think we have a God-given right to be out of League One. But at the end of the day, what, what's wrong with thinking we shouldn't be in League One? Because mm-hmm. realistically, we should not be in League One. And we've fallen very quickly from the Premier League, which is where we should be, to this division. So, And we've got the... It's not like we haven't got the financial button. It's not like we're in the same boat as Bolton. We shouldn't be in this league. So as fans... Although sometimes I do think we expect too much. We should, we're, never, we're not going to batter every team, every game, do you know what I mean? But I just that's why I feel the next manager, or even like I said about Pearson, if you have Phillips as his number two, it should. I'd like it to hit home with the fans and feel like, right, this is someone we can get behind mm-hmm. for the next five years, do you know what I mean? And yeah, just... Not just, right, see how he's doing after a month, because I feel like that's all we've had for as long as I remember, really. I mean, going on unless you go about the likes of O'Neill and even then you just never feel like we have a stability and I think that's what we need and I think that's what Stuart will be looking for really stability and someone the fans can really get behind yeah I think that the, while um, Grant with, with the initial question raised an interesting point that you know it, it could be an idea to offer someone a short term contract with a view to extending it if they get promoted I think you, what you're running a risk there is of continuing just the sheer lack of identity yeah. because you know like nothing screams you know uh, like Nothing screams like club identity crisis, like a short-term contract for the manager. Because what, what you're essentially saying there is, okay, this is going to roll on if you do well, but already are we sceptical that you're not going to do well? At least offering a two-year contract, you're saying that, look, okay, we've got you tied down to something here. Like, well, rather, you're tying yourself down to something here. You know, you, you've strapped yourself on the Sunderland Zeppelin. It's up to you to steer it. You know, if you, if you don't give manager that much of, a, of, an, of an incentive to join the club in the first place, then I think, I think what you're saying from the get-go is that, you know, this is going to be hard. The fans are going to be on your back if it doesn't go well. And initially, the contract implies that we don't trust you enough. 
it'd be I, far better off just putting a caretaker in if they're going to do that till the end of the season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, th- I think that's where the, we mentioned the role of uh, director of football before. I, th- I think if you are going to have this churn of managers, then that's where that role becomes really important because it's almost his responsibility, his or her responsibility to um, to kind of set that culture. So if a manager does leave, the manager coming in understands what the culture is and therefore runs with that culture. If they don't, they don't get the job. So, so I think in a in a time where football contracts in general are, are shorter, I think the importance of that role going forwards. And I think it takes seventeen out of twenty Premier League clubs now have that director of football role in place or football operations or whatever it is. So, um, disclaimer from that role: I don't think Roberto Defanti was a f- director of football I think he was an agent who kind of talked himself into a, a kind of way of earning money into a football club so so if any listeners are out there thinking we don't want that kind of model again I'm not talking about a defending I'm talking about a, a properly qualified director of football to come in mm-hmm. yeah so we'll go on to another question now from L Watson 73 which is considering how bad this week has been do you now think the decision to postpone the Fleetwood game was the correct decision also, what are your thoughts on Joey Barton's comments? Now, I've not heard those comments, so I can't I can't say for myself. Like, I, I don't like rather than sort of like being moth to a flame with whenever Barton pipes up, I just kind of leave him because I just <laughs> yeah. I, I dislike him that much that I don't even care what he has to say about us. But I mean, I don't know. I suppose we'll get at that if you guys have heard that. I mean, I haven't. Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll start with the first the first part of the two questions. So, do we think that was actually in that respect the right call? And I'm not sure he would have been sacked if it hadn't been the international. Right, to be totally and honest with did, you. I mean, well, we all said at the start that it was the right call to get him sacked. So do yeah. we think that we needed, it, it was a necessary evil to have the international break and a postponement to get Ross sacked? I would have still rather have played, to be totally honest with you. Um, I, I kind of think that no matter what manager's in charge, no matter what 11 players you can put on the pitch, we would have still been relative. It would have been a good game against Fleetwood. And I can, I can get from both points. I can get from, I can get the point what the... the um, the question is because it's kind of given us that little bit extra time to get somebody in, but we're kind of nowhere close to even a point. And had it been that got somebody in straight away once Ross had been sacked, we could have been ready for Fleetwood, which is a, which is also another side of that. But I'd have still rather played. I'd rather just have the points on the board than having to play catch up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody else? Any other thoughts? Uh, one of the biggest downfalls last season was. The game in hand, the games in hand. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I, I pointed the table out with people and they said, "Oh no, we've got three games in hand," as if it was nine points, yeah. and it was like banging your head against the wall at the end, and then would draw one one, and and then suddenly them games in hand became playoffs really. But mm-hmm. no, I I didn't hear all of Barton's comments, but I think the gist of it was that we called it off because we were scared of. Uh, he, said some, he said something today as well, saying that we're fine yeah. for him to be manager. So you know, yeah. just, I'm, I'm with I'm, I'm with you. Well, I just ignore everything he says. That's what he needs. Just oh, yeah. I like, just, annoy your little brother, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Just ignore him. I, I can't help but think because I think didn't Ross come out and he was fairly vocal in that he wanted to play the game. Um, I can't help but think this is a conspiracy theory that actually Donald knew this was going to happen over this, so kind of maybe overruled that mm-hmm. decision. Um, Having said that, Ross did say that I think it was three out of his back five from the was it the Sheffield no the, 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 from one game I think the, the three out of the back five had played some kind of role. Um, so if, if we were to lose that, then that was maybe a little bit upheaval. Um, but I, th- I think the, the main thing as football fans, we just don't want any any 
any uh, match to be postponed or delayed or kind of because we kind of we look forward to it all week and I had tickets for the sports bar was absolutely devastated yeah. <laughs> that, so, is, uh, that is an absolute wound that like yeah. cold it, Tuesday night in November now as well so oh. look forward to that yeah I, th- I think Barton I mean Barton came out today and said uh, that something along the lines of kind of Sunderland fans pined for his kind of they, they look forward to him coming and stuff so we can give him grief and stuff and I, th- I think with the likes of Barton you've just got to kind of let that go over your head and and I'd love for Sunderland fans not to even acknowledge Joey Barton come November and and if we acknowledge and boo him then that's what he wants he's the Pamp 9 villain really isn't he and, yeah and, and he needs to remember that he's at Flatwood um, I, I, I can put on record yeah. I mean obviously I can I, I could put on record for the you know like I don't ever I've, I've never in my life claimed to be the voice of the Sunderland fans but I'm going to for the next 10 seconds just to say that I don't think any Sunderland fan has ever pined for Joey Barton <laughs> no. in any sense of the word <laughs> So, I mean, obviously, well, everything Joey Barton says, and thanks for enlightening me on his comments. I'm glad I didn't read them directly. Thanks for taking that bullet for me, lads. <laughs> but ultimately, you know, Joey Barton is always and always will exist just to try and wind people up. Like, he's never made in his life made like a, a substantive comment that's had any sort of like deeper, real, truthful meaning to it. You've only got to look as far back as, let's say, you know, like the amount of like, the amount of sort of like times he's run his mouth over the years you know, either as a player or as a manager against Sunderland. And still, when I look at him, I, I don't I don't see, like, the, the same sort of, like, wry smirk he gives in interviews. I see the terrified man who was having the shadow of Dixon or two who stood over him in 2007, <laughs> looking like he'd rather be anywhere else than on a football pitch. That's what I, When I think of Joy Barden, I think of the time he almost got shinned by a two-who. I, I, th- I think devil's advocate, if I was a F- Fleetwood Clear and the, them initial kind of when he came out and said, "Of course they scared of us." That would make me feel pretty good. And if I was a Fleetwood supporter, that would mm-hmm. make me feel pretty proud of it. So I think I think he's come out. It's kidology at the end of the day. Of, um, I, th- I think from kind of kind of motivating his players and mm-hmm. his supporters and getting his club behind him, then that's something that again we're talking about Jack Ross again. Now I am, yeah. but um, that's something he didn't do. He didn't rally. There wasn't a war cry. Whereas Barton's obviously. Mm-hmm. Using that tenacity and his kind of um, slightly does. weird kind of um, kind of personality to to kind of get people's back up and yeah yeah the man's been uttering the same scouse war cry for the past ten years you know yeah. he's, he's I mean you know to his credit if nothing else I'm sure he's very good at galvanising the fan base and the players because he's a nasty he's a very, he's got a very nasty attitude that boards very well at the standard of football so yeah, to that, to that, one, he? oh yeah to that end I'm sure he, he'll sit down to the ground and the fact of the matter is that if he wasn't a Newcastle player we'd think oh maybe we need that kind of character yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. he'd be my choice for manager on Tuesday but it's very, it's totally <laughs> honest with you could be could be irrespective <laughs> of, of his of his mag background but uh, anyway let's move on from Joey Barton <laughs> Thank so we have one more question from Mac and Pyro who says will this uncertainty around the next appointment and the ongoing takeover slash investment lead to some of our squad looking for moves in January to a more stable club McLaughlin still hasn't signed a deal and a number of players joined on a two year deal how much convincing will they need to sign an extension with the club we'll go to you Neil for that one Christ I haven't haven't really looked that far ahead in terms of January transfer uh, deadline and so on I haven't even thought about it yeah, I, th- I, th- I think if 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 the cup run tells us anything, it tells us that the squad is fairly together, and whether they would get together for Jack Ross, um, the professional. So I'd expect them to be de- together for anyone else who came in. Um, I think the vast majority, and I mean the vast majority, are kind of not kind of. They should be kind of proud to be at a club this big, whether it's in League One, Championship, or whatever, and. 
they maybe need to look at the matches, the Zoros, um, and and kind of see what else is on offer if they were to leave. Um, McLaughlin, I could, from a geographical point of view, if you got a decent kind of move back to Scotland, then I, I could understand that. Um, but anyone else, if they don't want to play for this football club, then get yourself away, lads. That, that mm. would that would be my philosophy, and and there will be plenty again if we get the right manager, and there'll mm. be plenty of lads who do want to play for the football club. So I don't think that. This is instability kind of, the, the manager will be fixed fairly quickly. The instability mm. off the field, I can see why that may kind of upset a few players. But if they don't want to be here, then then no. see you later. We're not in the Premier League here. We're not kind of challenging for anything. So if you don't want to play for this club in League One, then we certainly don't need that kind of player anyway. So, no, you, yeah. you, you need nothing else to baseline loyalty in League One, don't you? You know, we'll, 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 we'll save the mercenary kind of persona of when we're back in the Premier League in the year 2050. But mm-hmm. until then, we'll just sort of, you know, I would, would rather have some more, maybe more genuine figures at the club. But, you know, just saying what you're saying there, Neil, it's making me wonder. I mean, I don't think there are any players, you know, that if we, we were to say lose one player in January and I didn't know who it was going to be, I wouldn't be that concerned wondering who it's going to be. But if, if looking out on the pitch, I've, does, does that look like a team that players want to leave? You know, you, you look at like Logo Nine who's running around, you know, mm-hmm. like like, and he's loving it here. You look at Jordan Willis who's turned down championship teams to come here. Mark McNaughty turned down a championship team to come here. They they all want to be here. Mm-hmm. So I, I have no worries at all for any of them wanting to leave. The McLaughlin thing, if he wants to go, you know, if, if that's affecting his performances, which it could be, if he wants to leave in January, jog on. You know what I mean? We've mm-hmm. got a steady number two, Lee Burge, who really possibly will be playing against Wickham the way McLaughlin's been playing. Um, and any of the, any of the other ones, I, I'm, I'm with you, I probably wouldn't cry if, if any of them left, really. No. I think I think Willis is probably the one player who I'd be upset mm. if he left. Obviously, yeah. given that he's just signed, he's not going to be leaving. Yeah, but the majority of them as well, where they're going to go. There's no one really who's going to improve. Possibly all nine, um, I was gonna say all nine yeah. would go to a higher level. But everyone yeah. else, you're just going to go to the League One club. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not to sound like a high mate, we're probably the biggest club in that division. Yeah, why would you go anywhere so else? So where are you going to go? No, if if League One's currently your level, then I mean, I mean, I mean, let's be honest, right? Like the the lads we've got, the the, the canny lads, and they're not daft. You know, they'll see. You know, they, as as much as we can, they can see the potential at Sunderland. You know, if you if you are part of a winning team, they 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 might be sat there thinking now, wherever they are, look, if, if the right gaffer comes in and he gets us playing in a system that is effective and works and gets the fans' bums off the seats, then suddenly we are looking next season at promotion. We're looking at what could well be a 40,000 capacity, a 40,000 strong attendance if we're doing well in the championship. You know, it, honestly, like the, the potential would seem limitless to them. That's not to belittle them, but that's just to say that when I was at Wickham before and, you know, yeah. Wickham's push for the championship might be the most success they see in the next 30 years. Okay, and, and again, that's going to sound like it's derogatory, but that's just that's just generally how it goes for the size and stature of clubs. Yeah, yeah, this is something in football club. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, yeah, you know, it's, it's not Wickham. It's not. Yeah, I think. I think at that ending, I would like to see a new manager get a kind of a set eleven, maybe fourteen players that he mm-hmm. plays. You know, he, under Ross, we never knew who he's. He, he, he had that team, and then we went to Sheffield United. He made eight changes, supposed kind of fringe players, and then the next team uh, game he made two changes back. So I don't think he ever knew what his first kind of eleven. So I think if anything, it will the squad will settle to say right, this is my first eleven. These are my kind of regular substitutes. Anyone else, you're maybe not going to be in the match here squad. Maybe them lads will think, yeah, I need to look elsewhere. But if that's where them lads are, then then yeah, they'll they'll go elsewhere. But uh, 
yeah, so maybe we'll see a more settled squad, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, Just anyone who's not going to play with the squad like a Rubik's Cube. You know, yeah. I'd rather once yeah. we've got something that's mm. set in place, yeah. it's set in place. And obviously you are going to have injuries and you may have to change things every now and then for certain teams, yeah. given given contexts. But yeah, I mean, look, if I ask any of you lads now, what was Ross's style of playing in you know the latter half of this season, before he got for the latter part of his season before he got sacked, you know, I'll ask any of you now, give me an answer. Put it this way, I only want to see Joel Lynch up front if it's the FA Cup final <laughs> yeah. in the last minute and we one nil down. I don't want to ever see that again. No, crikey. <laughs> uh, no, I won't be satisfied as a Sunderland fan until we get a, a recreation of Alan Mozturk's goal that he scored for Hearts. Uh, still <laughs> waiting for that, aren't we? Uh, Edge of the seat yeah. stuff. I mean, I'll, I'll take us through. I'll take his is 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 every now and then his route one balls like when it when he when he gets that right. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just yeah. We're just. I just feel like we're we're crying out for just an identity, and that's not, that's not a groundbreaking point by any stretch of the imagination. We just need someone to come in, who is just going to decide we're going to play this way, we're going to play like this, I'm going to play these lads, and that's what my favourite team is. Yeah. If we can just see that, and if we can work out ourselves what the manager's style of play is, then I think we'll be we'll be satisfied as long as we're winning you know yeah. what we don't want to see is even if we are scraping wins and maybe we aren't doing terrible if we're, if we're knocking about fourth and fifth place and we're looking at a team that you know one week is very different from last week and suddenly all nine's playing in his seventh different position in, in, in six games then we're going to think right well what's the point here you know it's going to we're not going to feel convinced that's one of the main things I think I was in the pub before the Lincoln game with me mates and you're waiting for two o'clock to get the team news and I feel like every time I've got team news this season, even going back to the last, you're always a bit confused hmm. in at least two positions on the bench. And then sometimes you look at it and you think the bench is maybe better than the team. And mm-hmm. I can't remember the last time we had a set 11 where even if one person drops out, you're thinking, no, oh, that's not the usual 11. Yeah. We don't have one. We've got, a, I mean, it's good to have a good squad and that's what we've got, but you need dependency really. Mm-hmm. And other than McGeady, I don't see under Ross and having him, him dependent on a certain player I mean even the captaincy when I know Leppert is not going to play every game but then McLaughlin's mm-hmm. captain then McGeady then Power now Willis and it was, it's just it's all about identity like you said we need we need uh, stability at the club yeah. and we're crying out for it really but that's it again and I think you know it, it's I, I don't want to keep throwing like really sombre and like depressing <laughs> questions at, at, your, at your lads but you know uh, just, just as I say have we have you seen an identity under Ross to which you would say no? You know, this isn't a yes or no question, but when was the last time you saw an identity? You can say Silence. no if you want. Silence. Yeah. Um, you, you've, got to, you've got to look at Allardyce, haven't you? You've, you've really yeah. got to look at Allardyce at the end, at but, the end of the... But again, the Allardyce, the, 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 the modern post-Bolton Sam Allardyce has never been a long-term plan man again, though. No. He's... he's He's, he's the master of, of stopgap motions yeah. to save clubs from relegation. I wouldn't even count Allardyce's team no. as, as that because if, if and you look as well, Allardyce's little sort of empire he built was founded on paper mache because as soon as he went, Kirchhoff was injured, Coney wanted away. Mm. You know, no one wanted to play anymore. Kabul up and left. I think we kind of were though, at the end of at the end of the Everton game when you know he's like, doing all this on the pitch. And I honestly thought that was I was like we're going to be all right here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then from from then on, there's been you know. Terrible managerial appointments after terrible managerial appointments. Um, you know, fair play to you know the the lads who did come in to try Barmoy's. You know, Grayson 
a tribe to give us an identity. Mm. Well, you don't need to say the lads are coming to tribe bar moys because saying the words coming to tribe did effectively bar moys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, just bar moys altogether. Um, but like, I mean, Grayson came in and give it, give it his go, but he was out of his depth. Same with Coleman, you know, you know, said all the mm. right things. You know, I mean, I loved Chris Coleman as as a person. You know what I mean? But his managerial um, tactics weren't great. And then you look at Jack Ross, who kind of is very, very clever man. You know, you see, you see his tactics on the the BBC. He's got like a little article on there, and he's a very clever man. But he's just he's got no style. You know, his style was what was it? You know, mm-hmm. we sat here eighteen months into his tenure, haven't got a clue what to say about it. Mm-hmm. I th- yeah, go on, Neil. Sorry, I was just going to say. I think in terms of cultural identity, kind of that that takes time and it takes a stability and most importantly it takes resources as well and I don't think it, it, the basket case that Sunderland has been for now on a decade now all those things haven't been in place uh, the managers haven't been here long enough as and says Allardyce was the closest it got but he was here for a number of months before he ran off for the England job so so I think I think if we are to get a culture and identity then I think fans and and everyone inside outside the club need to need to remember that's going to take a long time to to kind of get that that's not going to be an overnight thing so even if the new manager comes in and does well there's still lots of work to do and on on and on the pitch and off the pitch and in that respect so yeah yeah well i think that's probably a good place to to sort of steer towards the end of today's podcast hopefully in the future there've, there've been a miserable quite bunch of few recently especially the ones that i've hosted I'm afraid I can't apologise because I haven't had enough to be positive about. But anyway, before we end off, we have two things that are more positive notes. Well, one that is a more positive note and a second that we're going to end on, which will hopefully be a more positive note. Can we give a quick shout out to the Sunderland ladies team who dispatched Barnsley 1-0, being the only Sunderland team in recent memory to keep a clean sheet. So well done, lasses. It's nice to have some good news to talk about. So thank you very much for that. So we'll have our predictions. We'll go around the table and get our predictions for the for the Wickham game coming up. So we'll start with you, and what we'll do is with the predictions is just give me what you think will be a brief synopsis of the game and a full time score. Well, it's not going to be a classic. <laughs> I think, um, to be honest, I think whoever does come in this week, that is the worst possible game to yeah. be given. Wickham away. Um, I think we will... In typical Jack Ross form, draw one one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the, the spectre of Jack Ross horrible one one. Yeah, it's, it's such a difficult game, isn't it? We've got they're unbeaten yeah. at home all season. Um, there's such a horrible, horrible side to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, to be fair, played ends with that's that's his remit to do, and he does it brilliantly. And they are um, an absolute set of shit houses, to be honest, but. Yeah, I think it'll be 1-1. One, one. I'm going to go for Maguire to score worldy and Adam Fenwick to score in the last minute <laughs> and do his silly celebration. God, that's an yeah. awful... That's awful, isn't it? What an awful prediction that is. You you can leave now if you want. God, that's, <laughs> that's horrendous. Yeah. Anyway, so much has been a more positive note. Sam, you're up next. Currently trying to get that out of my head, but um, <laughs> I'm having flashbacks to last season and I, just, I don't even have any words to describe the game last season. It was... Mm-hmm. It's like swimming out of Green Street in the end, but is that Marcus Bean still playing for them? He should be in prison, probably. Can someone please, please, please give him one? No, like, take I him out. I don't like to see players get injured, but that was just such a disgusting tackle on Watmore. Can someone do yeah. that? Yeah, Max, how it take the red card? We'll, we'll probably get it rescinded anyway. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. 
I don't know. It, 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 I'm going to have to say what comes off the top of my head because it could be literally anything. Because uh, obviously we don't know. I mean, we could have their manager by the time. But um, I don't want to say it, but I do think 1-1, which I think <laughs> would be a, a, a decent result, which is a scary thing to say. But yeah, I think I think one's each and hopefully we equalise rather than your prediction. Oh, no, I said we'll t- I think we'll take the lead and then they'll score on the last minute. Yeah, which is So, so have we both got to leave now? Yeah. <laughs> no, we'll be alone I, I, together. I, I hope we equalise in the last minute then <laughs> so it feels like a win rather than one of the worst defeats ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Neil, you're up. I'm going to end with some positivity here. Um, it's 72 minutes gone and John McLaughlin's keeping a clean sheet. Um, oh. Scotland are winning 5-0. Who are they playing? Oh, they're playing San Marino. All right. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I didn't want to see it. Never mind, anyway. Yeah, hang, on, um, hang on, I'm going to stop you there, but is he keeping a clean sheet? He is, yeah, He's yeah. He's keeping a clean sheet. I don't care if it's against San Marino, the yeah, man's keeping a clean sheet. Let's see if he's made any saves. Um, no. Let's have a look. <laughs> um, they've had one shot on target, two shots on target, oh, San Marino, well so it says more about Scotland than San Marino, <laughs> I guess. But, uh, but that's two saves. That's two times the ball has rolled feebly into his arms from 30 yards out. Yeah. Yeah, well, he never yeah. threw it into his own end like he did last week. So it's, 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 it's you know, it's moving positive. forward, isn't he? It's positive. Yeah. Interesting <laughs> to see Lawrence Shanklin scored as well. The, oh. the ones linked with Sun and Lawrence Shanklin. Didn't he score like the first minute or something? Wasn't it like an immediate goal or something? Um, no, I think McGinn scored a hat trick to begin with, and then he scored in the sixty oh, fifth. Yeah. Gary's John McGinn. One, um, of, one of my mates yeah. absolutely loves John McGinn. Yeah. Does he play for? Him. He plays Rasta Villa. 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 Scored oh, yeah. one of the best scores I've ever seen last season. Again, was that the Villa? Oh yeah. My, my, my hip supporting uh, friend, off point here, but my hip supporting friend said McGeoch was a better player than John McGinn. Um, mm. And the rest is history. Anyway, next week, my prediction: um, we're going to get a manager that at least thirty percent of the fan base is going to be happy with. That'll be positive if you're looking at the Twitter polls, and we're going to win two 0 next week. I reckon. Who's going to score? Um, I'm going to go for Power and Will Grigg. That would be nice. That would be really, really nice. So you're predicting Steve Cook basically be the manager? <laughs> well, he might come off the, the, the he might come off the bench in the 93rd minute. And Steve Cook? Maybe, yeah. That's a bonus, Steve Cook. Paul, Paul Cook. Cook. Yeah. Paul Cook. Oh, yeah. right. That, that's it. Um, no, the way I see it, we'll, we'll go ahead. Um, everyone will think we'll draw 1-1. Then Grigg will come on to replace someone with, in the 90th minute and, and score, the, score, the, score the second. And mm-hmm. We'll all come home happy. Uh, well, I'm going to go for a more positive take as well. I think we'll, we'll divide the room up into, into you're a misery if you sat across from me. If you sat on my side, you've got a bit more of a, a bit more of a lighter take on the on the events of a Sunderland fan. But no, because I like to remain obviously eternally optimistic as I always am. I'm going to say we're going to win three one. I think we are. I think we're going to play them in what's going to be initially a very cagey affair. I think. I mean, I don't know who the new manager is, but whoever he is, is going to take this game by the scruff of the neck. He's going to see playing Gareth Ainsworth, Wickham. So I'm assuming it's not Gareth Ainsworth, obviously. <laughs> So whoever he is is going to take it by the scruff of the neck and despite the fact we're playing a team that's been prized for its very sort of like anti-football, aggressive, like sort of like quite nasty style, in spite of that we're going to get on all right, we're going to take the lead, I think they're going to equalise through some awful goal, it's going to be quite a scrappy game, going to be players barking at each other throughout. But ultimately I'm going to go for Maguire to score two, I'm going to go for Greg to score one, I'm going to go for Greg to score the last one. And it's going to be quite a nice goal, and it's going to get him off the mark for this season. Hopefully, hopefully for the foreseeable. I mean, I've said that quite a few times now, but this time it's actually going to happen. So you know, yeah. Anyway, thank you very much, lads, for coming today for helping me to talk about 
talk about uh, my life as a Sunderland fan. It's always always good for these little group therapy sessions. You know, it's <laughs> well, it, nobody wants to be lonely. So well, no, that's you know, it. You we'll know, precisely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice knowing there's others in the same boat. We had it too good for too long. You know, when we were like winning games and all that. So you know, yeah, it's yeah. it's nice to nice to be back to back to the glory days when I first joined and we had Coleman and we were losing all the time. It's probably Roper Report's fault that we're doing so badly. It seems to be our fault for everything else. So. Well, you can you can read you can read my face and see all the answers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thankfully, it's an audio-based platform, so nobody else can. Anyway, thank you very much, and for coming in today. Cheers, thank you. Cheers. Uh, you're very welcome, and Sam, thank you very much as well. Pleasure, my brother. And Neil, thank you very very much. Cheers, thank you very much. No worries, okey doke. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.